When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, This is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludicrous. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holler at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. Hey, everyone. You're listening to Human to Human, the show that connects truths and bridges the gaps between our human experiences, one conversation at a time. I'm your host, Stacey Ike, and I'm so glad you're here. This episode's special guest is Van Lathan, TV personality and host of the podcast The Red Pill and Higher Learning. In this human to human conversation, Van and I talk about the commitment it takes to take all those lessons from 2020 and drag them into 2021. We also talk about how he cultivates self-trust with his voice by remembering that his voice really doesn't matter. Yeah, you're going to have to tap in to hear how he talks about that. And I took the risk in asking him his perspective on the narrative, Are Black Men the Weakest Link? Like I said, tap, tap, tap in. Before each episode, I give a few recommendations inspired by the conversation that you're about to hear. I share a song to add to your playlist and a book to check out. I also share a reflection question based on something that was sparked by the episode. So here goes. This week's song to put on repeat is Tupac's Life Goes On. This week's read is Untethered Soul. And the reflection question is describe your relationship with yourself in one word. One word, guys. Don't cheat. Anyway, don't hesitate to leave your response in the comments or at stacyag.com. Now, let's jump into this conversation with Van. I'm really, really excited to be joined by today's guest. Mr. Van Lathan is in the building. Thank you for being here. No problem. What up? Thank you. Appreciate you. Um, I always like to start this show. It's called Human to Human. When I started it, I mean, the title, I hope it's to be for itself, but it's very important for me to interview slash have conversations with people that I actually admire, but not only admire just what they do, like who they are and what their position is and the choices that they're making and doing out loud. And so I just, I really appreciate you for not only your integrity, but you just, you showed up in a spot this year that I really feel helped a lot of us get through because I was secretly asking myself a lot of questions, like, what are we doing? And then you would ask them out loud and then help us find out and really get to it. And I just felt like every time you you did that, whether it was through your personal podcast, getting on anybody else's show, it just had a lot of integrity. So thank you for that. That really- Oh, I, I, I appreciate those kind words. Um, I don't think we've ever been in a space quite like this before. Yeah. Uh, and there's just so many things we're fighting at once. Um, and hopefully, uh, people realize exactly what you need in your toolbox to be a happy and peaceful human after this, because I think we were putting so many things in one part of our emotional satchels, right? We were, that when those things were depleted, we didn't have any reserves to go to. Yeah. So now hopefully people understand that, you know, um, I know myself, that once your distractions and your day-to-day sort of tethers are gone, there's gotta be something else there. And hopefully we can all work on that. So what was depleted for you? Uh, So, you know, there are times where there are all kinds of things that happen, right? In in your life, Um, you know, but they, they feel like little bug bites. Like you don't really feel them, you don't really pay attention to them. And that's because most of the time for me, I'm so excited to be alive. Mm 
Like, I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited. Like, I love to laugh. I love to eat good food. I love to do all of that stuff, right? So little things about myself um, that I need to address, be it my spiritual center, um, be it, uh, you know, some of the excesses that I take with food and drink or whatever, little things that I need to address, they become, oh, man, if I could be the best version of myself, I would be this this guy, not things that are essential to my mental and physical health, right? And then one day, everything that you could do to kind of take your mind off of the stuff you should be doing for yourself, one day it just got all got it got taken from you. And not only did it get taken from you, but the mere venture outside of your home became something that was pernicious. It was dangerous uh and there's no escape there's nowhere you can go to where this isn't the situation so um i personally think that you know there were a lot of things that i did just to pass time that didn't involve really living life and trying to find peace and so now i think i understand what i think i understand now more how you're supposed to build, like like I said, those emergency reserves and what you need in your life when things get hectic. Yeah. So what's interesting about that is I, I believe that if you were paying attention to this year, which you definitely were, we had to stay inside, right? And so for me, I'm like, okay, if we're inside, let me go ahead and go inside. Like, let me, what's up in the mind, soul, spirit, body, all that, right? It was forced, but we in here. And now we in here, you're like, I wanna leave. <laughs> and so right. as humans, to keep the tool toolbox full it is now going to be a daily practice right like yeah. Yeah, we we learn the truth this is what it is we're all distracted netflix this that whatever those things are it's going to be an actual active practice for us to keep that going and i don't yeah. know if you kind of reckon with the fact that it's like okay i see what it takes mm -hmm. i have to do that all the time like what is that process of making that a daily thing because we can all revert in 2021 or whatever right we can all decide during the holidays let's go back to santa or whatever we can choose that or we can choose hey we've been in the work let's just keep doing the work yeah see the 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 issue that i have is any place that you're forced to stay is a prison mm. any place any place that you're forced to stay is a prison if you're forced to stay within yourself then you're trapped inside of yourself yeah. If you're forced to stay in your house, then your home is a prison. Mm -hmm. If you're forced to stay in a relationship, that relationship is a prison. If you're forced to stay at a job, that job is a prison. Mm -hmm. Now, we talk to ourselves and we say, hey, no one's forced to stay anywhere. You can quit your job. You can leave your relationship. You can leave your house. It's not quite the way things work because things don't just have physical sort of um ramifications they have mental spiritual and psychological ramifications and consequences as well so sure you can leave your house but you, what's forcing you to stay is the fear that you might get COVID sure you can leave your relationship but what's forcing you to stay is the the um the fear of the irritation of your life and being alone and all of those things so the question it becomes like how do you deal with being told to sit down like, how do you, like, how do you come to terms with that? And I don't have a good answer. Like, I want to go someplace right now. Like when this first started, my anxiety was really bad. 
I would just get in my car and literally for five or six hours, just drive all over Los Angeles, mm-hmm. drive to places, you know, that I hadn't seen. And if for some reason there would be comfort in that, right? There would be comfort in going to a place that you hadn't seen. The, I remember the first McDonald's, one of the first McDonald's or something like that ever is out in Downey. And I heard about it, but I'd never seen it. So I just drove out there. Oh, there it is. You know what I mean? But what happens when you've seen the whole city? You know what I mean? Like, I, you know, what happened? You, I've gone north, right. south. I've gone to Orange County. I've gone like East LA with that, with my essays out there. Been down with my people uh, in South in South LA. Like, what? Like, what happens when you've seen the whole city? Then, like, what is there? So, um, and you can't pour this. Out, you can't pour this out on anyone. Also, you can't. Mm. You can't call your mom and have her not be going through it. Oh, it's going to be okay. You can't call your homeboys and have them not. It's all the same for everyone. So um, it's interesting. It's, it's it, like, it, it, it's interesting. I think I am just trying to find some sort of serenity. Mm-hmm. And but more than anything, I think I'm trying to get off the drugs I was on. And the drugs that I was on, meaning, uh, you know, whatever whatever it was about society that made me feel like I whatever it was about being out there that made me artificially feel whole yes I can't sort of re-engage with those things so whatever patches and holes that are inside of me right now Mm -hmm. uh, those are the things I have to work to try to fill so that I can sit in one place like I've been trying to meditate and stuff like that but when I meditate I feel everything yes I think that's the point though I know but I don't like that you know yeah. when you're med- sometimes when you're meditating your a muscle twitches you feel that muscle twitch like sometimes when you're meditating you feel your pulse a little bit you can see you know what I mean um nothing's muted and so it's hard for me to stay in that situation but to stay there and come to terms with all of those things and note them and just move on, I think it's going to help me uh, not be so distracted when things get back to where they are, where we're like to some semblance of normal. What time of day do you meditate? When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, this is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludacris. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holla at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. Okay. Do you start your day? Do you end your day? Is it the middle of the day? Well, uh, recently, because I got a hammock out there, mm-hmm. recently, I, you know, I would wake up and um, every, every morning I wake up, there's a lot of anxiety. I'm not sure why. And, but it's worse in the morning and I would wake up and then I would go out there and just walk around in the cold air a little bit. That helps with me my, with my anxiety and just kind of lay in the hammock. Yeah. Um, that like sets my brain for the rest of the day almost. Yeah, I was very, I would also say I was surprised by my level of anxiety during this time. I think mm-hmm. you never know. I, I don't know if it's like we're extroverts. I can't really even say, I believe you're an extrovert, but do you consider yourself an extrovert? I can, I am a, I'm a multivert. <laughs> what are the other parts of that? Um, That's good. Like I, I'm a I'm an energy team player. 
Yes. Meaning if I walk into the room and the room needs my energy, I'll give it. But if I'm in a place where my energy is not needed, I'm more than happy to just chill. Right, right, right. right, right. Yeah. Yeah, no, I feel that. Well, I, I definitely was experiencing the same thing. And just to your point of like not being able to dump that on anybody else, I think that's the most, one of the most beautiful parts of this year has been learning and watching other people deal with the same thing and figure out how to help each other and, and how to mm -hmm. pour in and not be a taker or just a giver, like to really do this mm -hmm. with everybody, parents, best friends, siblings. Like I said, I came home and decided like, okay, let's kick it. It's, I'm the oldest of five. So it was five of us walking around dealing with high school freshman year law school bar exam and and college and, and it was like wow this is hey yeah. okay. so it was a lot yeah. of learning the give and take and and figuring that out but i also said i said it to say that i also got seriously into meditation this year it, it's a painful process i will say i think it's beautiful and i'm still mm -hmm. learning to like truly just fall into it but you had mentioned something one time and i was like i'm about to ask him about this because you said the more i learn about myself the more i grow and i was like Mm, for me, it's the more I learn by myself, the more I grieve. And then mm -hmm. because I just, I think that what I've learned in meditation is like, you are feeling everything. So everything is coming up. Even the shit that showed me that like, dang, you, you're not really as perfect or as this or as whatever those things are. And now it feels great to just be real with it and recognize it in that self-aware moment. But mm -hmm. I wanted to share that because I just don't think that that process is going to happen just for this year. I think it's going to be like, now this is our new normal of really sitting with those details. Yeah, I hope so. Um, you know, I hope so. I do find that um, there's no consistency that's harder to maintain than the consistency of healing mm. and growing. Um, because it's, it's like, you know, I, when, I, when I'm in therapy now, like therapy's not pleasurable. It doesn't feel good. Yeah. As soon as I start to feel better, I don't want to do that anymore. Um, it, and it's even different. People talk about, you know, well, don't you get the same thing like from the gym? Like you don't want to go to the gym? Yes, I do. Like I want to go. Like I like to run. Like I run, I zone out. I get endorphins in my brain. You listen to great music. Once again, like distractions, things, you're stimulating yourself. Um, but those things don't exist like at, at the per, at, at the present time. So it's really the work on yourself, and it doesn't always feel good. Uh, but there's some realities, you know, you have to be able to kind of deal with. Uh, and so I hope that, you know, once things do get a little bit back to normal, that I don't get distracted, um, that I can remember. I think that's the hardest thing for people. Like, I've lost friends this year, right? Uh, not to COVID, but to suicide. And I, when these people were alive, you had an understanding of their pain and what they were going through. They're gone now. And in order to move on from that, you've had to come to terms with it. But now I can't remember their pain. Uh, I can't remember what, they were dealing with it seems like um it, it it's it's peculiar it seems um how can i put it it i i am aware of what they were going through but when they were here to talk about it or their actions it seemed realer and now it seems like something that didn't really happen but it did happen 
And it's important to remember what they were going through. It's important to remember how they lived and um, sort of sort of the the hiccups that it caused in their lives because it's important to be able to not only recognize when someone needs your help, but recognize when you're losing control yourself. So like our mode as people is just move on, move on, move on. We're talking about death as if it's so cavalier. Yes. And um, it's not. I mean, it's something, it's a part of, it's something that we're all going to have to do. And it's something that's a, a part of living, but being inundated with this much of it is not natural. It's not natural for your brain. Um, and so the trauma is just building on top of each other. And we discuss, we're discussing it every day to the point to where you start hearing, uh, well, you know, the death numbers are down and not as many people are dying, which is good news. But at the same time, it's like, People are dying from a disease. Yeah, uh, and it's just, it's weird. It's, the whole thing is weird. I'm, I'm, I'm rambling on your show because I don't have good answers to these questions. All I have are feelings. Yeah. Normally I'm the answer guy, but I'll, recently all I am is the feeling guy. So I don't, I, I don't wanna forget my friend's pain and what they went through. Yeah. I don't wanna mire in it and be mired in it or dwell in it, but I don't wanna forget their pain. Yeah. Um, and I don't wanna forget mine either. I completely understand and hear that and thank you for mm -hmm. sharing because I mean what I'm hearing is like do you feel like your emotional language has changed a lot within this year because as you said we have just been inundated with a different level of trauma on, on and stacked and we're watching it happen and we're talking about it and you show up in the forefront and as a media personality and that's a lot how has your emotional language changed towards those things um good question no I, I think that I, I process things differently uh I think you know if uh, it's like playing basketball on like a nine foot goal, everybody's dunking the ball, right? Mm -hmm. And at some point, if you play on a nine foot goal long enough, like you think you're good. <laughs> I know guys that in, in back from back Baton Rouge and they play on these, the goal might be nine, five, nine, nine or whatever. And they're out there <laughs> doing all of this stuff and they think they can hoop. Um, <sighs> and then you get out there and you realize, now nah, you whack. <laughs> you, you, like things are changing and so I think that the rim this year hasn't been lowered it, they made it taller uh, just all of these things they, they, they it, it's taller it's a little more of you gotta put more arc on it to find joy you gotta put more arc on it to laugh even I watched Kevin Hart's um, stand-up special right? right and you know I watch his stand-up special and it's funny until I see a mask I have to watch the old stand-up special because in the old stand-up special, people are completely, uh, you know, just there. They're not afraid. Right. Uh, but you watch the new one, it's him in an intimate setting. And I know that they're trying to trick me. They're making it seem like everything is okay, but it's not. Hmm. And so it's hard for me to fall into it. <laughs> so, oh. uh, and so, um, so yeah. So anyway, it's just about for me trying to uh, trying to balance my spirit. So bring me into a conversation with you and your friends right now, specifically black men. How are you guys talking right now? How are you guys talking about you know it being raised? Are you talking about whether it's emotion, whether it's how black men are showing up, whether it's mental health for yourselves and how that's changed, or what are those things that you thought were important that are truly not important anymore? How are those conversations? 
Um, half of them are, not everybody feels like me. So, you know, and I've always understood this. Half of the conversation, it's really pretty binary. Half of the conversations are, yo, I'm as depressed as I've ever been. Uh, and they sometimes it seems like people are depressed over trivial things, but these were things that they used. This was the life therapy that they had. Some people just want to go to beauty and Essex and, and have a bunch of drinks and look at a bunch of girls and they don't know what their life is without that. Yeah. Like we haven't played basketball on a basketball court together in six months. That seems crazy that that would be a big deal to you guys, but you guys don't understand. Like that's a big deal to us. You know, we're men in society. So we go on the basketball court and we get to be assholes and yell at each other and get all that stuff. It's a release. And then there's another part of my friends that, um, more specifically, my homies from Louisiana that are dealing. Uh, and it's interesting because I always wondered about this. Like growing up where I'm at, where I'm from in Baton Rouge, uh, like I always wonder how people would just deal with stuff because I never could. Like you get a phone call, I never forget my homeboy Jason got killed. And this wasn't like, this was our, my friend. And um, they found him. His car was running uh, in some place in North Baton Rouge, and he was shot a bunch of times in his back. And I just kept thinking to my in my head, I'd be like, "Yo, Jason's dead." And he wasn't the first, and he definitely he definitely wasn't gonna be the last. I was just thinking, Jason is dead. Mm-hmm. Like he's gone. He's dead. He died. He got murdered. He's twenty two. He's gone. Jason's dead. Jason's dead. Jason's dead. I'm thinking that in my head. And we go to the funeral. Everybody does that thing. You know, the funeral, people are laughing, cracking jokes and stuff like that. And people are getting back to normal. That's how we are as people. And there's a certain familiarity with trauma that exists in that in that community. I haven't been there, haven't lived there for a long time. That at least in what they expressed to me, a lot of my homies from back home was like, yo, it is what it is. But remember, we live in a place where the cancer rate is 10 times. The age rate is three times. Uh, you know, everybody been to jail, everybody was selling dope, everybody was doing this and that. So this is not anything that's really going to shake them. They'd have to, it'd it have to affect them personally for it. So as far as the way things work, some of my homies are on pins and needles. Uh, and then some of them, it just kind of is what it is. They trying to figure out how they can get something out of it. <laughs> I mean, man. <laughs> It's been really interesting to see that di- the mm-hmm. dynamic of some people who are truly like they use this year and multiply and i was mm-hmm. like huh and then i come over here and it's like i'm on the floor and i'm like okay it's two different completely very valid reactions mm-hmm. and i've been inspired by both one taught me to really feel and the other one was like once you feel what do you do you know not just doing the back the stuff the old stuff it's like how do you become in mm-hmm. that and it's been it's really interesting to find out first how strong and resilient human beings really are and what that means mm-hmm. but it's also very scary because it's just back to that point of this is not normal not just this but like any of this where we are as a nation as a society as a people i've, I've had a lot of questions of conversation with god like hey you you pick very specific people to be on this planet at this time whoever us seven billion are you had us all here right now so what's good 
What's the lesson? What's what's up? This is very specific, y'all. This is a crazy. I mean, it was a Black Friday sale going on. I'm like, goodbye. What's going on? Are we doing those? Like, mm-hmm. at the same time, Joe Biden is asking for money because our president hasn't conceded. Like, you know, the thoughts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just mm-hmm. it's many thoughts. So, I, I'd love to ask, what are you learning to trust right now? Oh, you can't trust anything. Really? Okay. Yeah. The the only thing that you can trust is that you have zero control over anything. There's like, you have, you like, you have to lean into it. You you, you can't, there's not an institution or a place or even a person. And I I say not even a person because Hmm. you, remember people are who they are based upon constructs, right? Like, you know, right now, Stacy doesn't eat human beings. Have you ever ate a human being before? No. Right, that could change. God forbid, but we don't. Keep... I, I'm just saying, like that could change. Like mm-hmm. right now, you don't eat people. You don't eat people. I trust right now you don't eat people. Mm-hmm. But see, if we were driving in Alaska mm-hmm. and our car veered off the road mm-hmm. and I didn't make it and you did, and you're there with a broken ankle or something like that, you can't walk. They're looking for you, and I'm right there. That changes. So remember when you're like when you're when you're trusting people, mm-hmm. most of the time when you're trusting people, you're trusting them based on the the specific circumstances under which you know them. Right? So it's really almost optimal level trust. So now in a situation where people are more desperate or more frazzled or more stressed, you can't expect them to be who you thought they were. That's unfair to them. Yeah. Right. Um, so uh, right now with me, I've what I'm trying to do, which is impossible to do, is trust the uncertainty of, of, of everything. Trust that there's no control. Trust that you don't know, you know, and it's uh, it's something that we do all the time, but not. Uh, we we so we we get in cars all the time. You drive around. That's a gamble. It is. You know, but it's something that you do all the time. What you don't do all the time is live through a pandemic, mm-hmm. is be isolated, is is be all of that stuff. Um, so yeah, I haven't I there's nothing that I that I can trust except that I'm in I'm not in control and I do not know. And I'm not even saying that I can trust those things right now. I'm mm-hmm. saying I'm trying to learn to. Exactly. Right. Yeah, I learned, especially this year, that we try to control things that we can't trust. So all that control we thought we had was just a lie, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And even learning that, like, even in this moment and in, in November, trying to control anything is just because you the trust still is not equipped in the uncertainty. Mm-hmm. So it's like that balance of, of that, but also, okay, now back to ourselves, you continue to show up man you continue to be a voice you continue to use that integrity you continue to speak and and assist because you are assisting people through their thought processes so how are you trusting yourself to show up oh it's that's just that's keeping me sane okay wow i love like that's yeah that's uh that's keeping me sane like when when i'm focused on doing a podcast or making a youtube video or not making a YouTube video, but doing a podcast or making an Instagram or doing a Zoom or something like that. When I'm focused on that, it feels like the old days when that mattered. You know, it feels like it feels like uh, 
it feels it, it feels like it, you know you, you it, it's taking your mind away um like i was uh, an athlete back in the day you hurt yourself and we had a, a guy that would be uh that would come out and give you a massage or pop your shoulder back in line or like and and he and he'd do something he'd go uh yo you see that girl right there look at that cheerleader from over there and you look at boom he would work on you you just get your mind off of it because you're tense that's what these things do for me now i don't have anything to add man i don't i'm in pain you're in pain we're all in pain there's no silver book i don't have anything to add what i can do is for an hour i can tell you the way i look at the world for two hours i can tell you the way i view this or view that or view that but when i leave the pain is still there i'm sad okay uh i miss the people that i've lost i uh um, i'm concerned for my mother and my grandmother and my father who is immunocompromised i'm angry because people because we don't have the entire culmination excuse me the entire uh combination should i say of all of america's bad traits like this literally couldn't have happened at a worse time in history like we have the perfect terrible leadership right we have the perfect consumer-based culture we have the perfect amount of schism between us we have the perfect amount of distraction you know what i mean if this would if this would have happened in 1996 you couldn't have kept up the, with the death numbers because you didn't have a phone that every single minute made you go back to it and made you worship it right you'd have to get your information from somewhere. But at a certain point, you'd have to move on mm -hmm. and every day find something. But now this right here, which is tethered to me, it runs me because I'm trying to figure out, I'm waiting for somebody to tell me something that's gonna make me feel better. So uh, all of this stuff is, it's perfectly aligned to be as debilitating as possible. But I will tell you this, this it also connects us in a way um, and lets us sort of hold hands in a way that we couldn't. If this would have happened in 1996, I wouldn't be able to see my mom's face or my sister's face or my dad's face or any stuff like that. It'd be a year of voices, you know? Um, so, you know, there's just a lot to unpack. But what I will say is all of the stuff that I'm doing I'm doing it as much to keep myself sane and keep this household sane as it is for anything else. Yeah. I'll have no answers for nobody. Yeah. I just watched the Saints football game. The Saints just played. I just watched their football game. It was a good game. And for a moment, right. I felt cool. Right. So just trying to make it. Don't do you feel that to that combination of all the perfect BS um, that could just show up in our lives at the same time. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It's your boy, Spitty, here from DGB, a.k.a. Dirty Glove Bastards, off the porch podcast. Now, if you're a fan of artist interviews, then make sure to check out and subscribe to Off the Porch, a show that interviews everybody from the dopest up and coming artists, your favorite OGs and legends, street comedians, directors and other influential people from the culture. And it's brought to you exclusively by Revolt Podcast Network, anchored in hip hop, powered by creators. There has to be a reason for that, right? Because it, even with my question of like, how are we all here right now seeing all this at the same time? Like we're all here. Like we could, it just could have been so different, but it's not. So I keep 
believing and seeing that there has to be an awakening on the other side of it. There has to be, because now we're recognizing what this distraction actually means to us or what it actually does or what this leadership actually means. I mean, not everybody to, to so many of our points, but does that give you any type of, I don't know if the word's inspiration or hope, but. Oh, I'm incredibly hopeful. I don't want anyone to listen to this or watch this and think that I'm not hopeful. Everything's going to be okay. Yeah. I just don't know when. Mm. You know what I mean? And so, and so like, everything's going to be okay. It really is. Everything's going to be okay. I think for, I can take a personal lesson out of it. And the personal lesson is I thought that I was working towards healing myself, but I really wasn't. Uh, a lot of the things that I was doing in terms of growth were cosmetic. And a lot of them focused on um, professional things, how big my voice was or where I was going and what I was doing and stuff like that. And all of that stuff can evaporate in a second. And then it's just you and your spirit and the sun. Then what are you? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So if you can't answer that question, it's difficult to answer it at any other time. And there wasn't going to be a stretch long enough that I was going to have to really answer it for myself, right? You know, I wasn't going to go take two months and go walk about in the Australian outback or go to the Serengeti where it was just me and my giraffe and the giraffes, you know, getting back to where we're from and all of that stuff like that. I wasn't going to do that. So this is my time in the wilderness. And uh, we're all in the same wilderness. But it, it's, of course, to your point, it's got to mean something. And it's going to be okay it just fucking sucks. All of this sucks. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, so, so um, no, it's definitely going to be all right. And I'm going to be okay. Uh, and all of it is just, it's just, you know, it's, it's stuff. We've, you know, if, for everybody, that, that, just to let you guys know, we were supposed to do this interview maybe like two weeks ago or something like that. Right. And I called you and I, or I didn't call you. I sent you a message and I was like, yo, I'm depressed. I can't do it. Right. Even that, for me, in the past, wouldn't have happened. I'd have got on here, put a smile on, and performed, because that's what I've been doing for 10, 12 years. You know? Um, but now I'm not. Now, if I need to press the brake, I'm breaking. So, mm, You gave yeah. such permission that day for us to both just be, and also just to remind me of who I knew you were. And, you know, we don't know each other so well, but it's, uh, I believe that I can read between the lines as much as possible and so when somebody says hey I'm not feeling it man it's just like okay great well let me know when you are and what you mm -hmm. need in time you know like that's what I just really hope we stop the how are you's and what's good and I'm good and I just really hope those things don't move with us because mm -hmm. we have to be able to say I'm not good today because right. it's impossible we were never always good we were never that we, we were playing ourselves so it's just we kind of are y'all done playing? We weren't getting paid enough to act. We weren't getting paid enough to do like, no. So it's kind of like mm -hmm. it was time. And so I really appreciated that more, more, more than you thought. And I definitely set prayers up and I was like, I, I know what you're talking about. Cause I was what, two weeks before you was, you know what I'm saying? Like something else. So right. our humanity just has to, that's what I'm holding on hope for. I just feel like once the bubbles bursted that we're all actual shit and we're all beautiful and, and annoying and, and wonderful and dynamic and crazy and cool all at the same time. I can I can rock with that version of everybody and myself. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It's it, it's um it's something that's uh yeah like you. Hopefully we we've in some way. You know, I'm a little bit of an older guy, so I, I still don't I don't have. If if, if I was younger, this might have been different. You know what I mean? What do you um, mean? Well, I mean, if I was 25 or 26 right now, 
uh, or even maybe a little bit younger than that, maybe you don't see the angles of the world the same because you've grown a little bit less at that time and blah, 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 blah. And it's, you know, uh, but having, I'm 40. So having some years on me um, and not, and being in a place where a chain, two changes just talking about this on an album, like you're not old, but you're not young. So your body has, it's so weird. Like you go for physical now and you're old enough to have some wear and tear on your body, mm-hmm. but not old enough for it to be of any consequence. So they'll tell you, hey, this, this, don't worry about that. That happens when you get older a little bit, right? But it wasn't like that 10 years ago. <laughs> so, you're, so, 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 so you're telling me I'm getting older. They said, no, nah, it's not like, look, if you're 50 or you're 60 and something like this happens, that is a little different, but you're, you're fine, whatever, 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 all of that stuff. Um, like even right now for the, for the virus, like 40, you're on the cusp of it being an issue, but it's probably not going to be an issue, but you're on the cusp of it being an issue. So all of those things are, are, are playing in your head. But if I, was, if I was younger, I'd probably be thugging it out, man. You know, like I, you could waste five hours a day playing 2K with your boys trying to collect the check, but now I'm a little bit more established. I got more on me. I have more considerations. There's more to lose. You just wonder what's going to happen, you know? What does liberation look like for you? We've been Peace. saying a lot this year. Mm. That's Wait, it. Did you go ahead and it sounds like what? Peace. Peace. That's the only goal. I like, there's one thing that, the one lesson that I've learned, and I think it was an important lesson for me to learn, more than anything, is that I don't give a fuck about how rich I am. I don't care about, you know, I was in competition with everyone I wanted my, you know, I'm ambitious. So the only thing I care about going forward is peace. And one moment to the next, how I am tethered and um, serving the people around me and how I'm serving myself. Mm. Am I sleeping good, eating good? Am I do I feel good about myself? Do I feel good? Our health, what we take for granted, all of these things that we were doing, all of the ways I was drinking and eating and acting, toxicity for fun, all of that stuff. Not coming down on anyone. It's, it's different. It's different for everybody. Go do your thing. I'm not. I'm not tripping. But for me personally, uh, peace and finding some semblance of that, so that the quality of my life while I'm here. Um, can be uh, something that I can like, that I don't need a restaurant or a comedy show or something like that to feel, or even a conversation to feel. So that if I need my own piece, I can access it because it's been hard to find during this time. It's crazy because I feel like you're the type of person who gets asked a lot, like, can you give me advice on how to get to where you are, right? And Mm -hmm. I imagine if you're talking to a 23-year-old guy and he's like, tell me how to get where you are, and you tell him the truth, you told him what you just said to me, hey, it's really about peace, it's really about this, it's really about this, they're like, okay, cool, 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 but what about the other stuff? Like, Mm -hmm. I wonder, does everybody have to go through that growth to grieve to truth process, or do we really learn from people who are older than us. Like I, I listen to myself now and I'm like, wow, like when 23 year old or 24 year old women come to me, I'm like, I kind of want to just tell you like all that thing you think matters, it doesn't, it's that mm-hmm. other thing. But I don't know if people really get it. 
Well, well, the first thing you have to do is you have to survive. Mm-hmm. So um, I remember every day that you lay your, your head down and you go to sleep, you survived. You lived a day, but you also survived one. I oftentimes think about Tupac. I oftentimes think about Tupac. I think about who Tupac was. Tupac died, he was 24, I think, which is fucking astonishing to me. Or Fred Hampton died when he was 21. Astonishing to me. Um, I often think about those guys and I think about how much we think we learn from them. Uh, The reality is they hadn't learned everything that they needed to learn. They were babies. Now they were special unbelievably special souls something that i couldn't even begin to access especially fred hampton but uh kids in the grand scheme of things that had a lot on their shoulders so what more do you have to learn when fred was killed his girl was pregnant his son fred hampton jr is now uh, carrying on his legacy there in chicago what might being a father have taught him about life what might what kind of balance was he still looking to to find his peace? And we, we saw what, everything that Pac knew, um, and we saw all the mistakes that he made, you know, mistakes that were glaring and you know, sometimes disgusting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what would a 49, 50 year old Tupac look like? Like what, like what happens when you survive those things? You know, when you when you make it through. So when kids are like and my dad would always say that I would say something to my dad. My dad would be like, keep on living. And I'd be like, whatever, whatever. He'd be like, Vance, keep on living. So for me, the first thing I would I would I would tell anyone, uh, you know, if you want steps on how I got to where I was on television and stuff like that, I can email you that. Like I can really that take that would take me five minutes. Right. I can email you that. Right. Like, that if you want anything else, you gotta keep living. You you gotta you 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 gotta keep living because the things that life are the life is going to throw at you they can't be simulated. Some of these things nobody can get you ready for, so there's nothing anyone can tell you. That that that, that, that you know no, nobody can get you ready for if something happens to your kid or if something happens to your mother. You know what I mean? No one can get you ready for the loss of a friend or a global pandemic or nobody can get you ready for turbulence on an airplane. When you're on an airplane, you're flying. I don't like to fly, right? You're up there in the sky, plane shaking. Even that, think about that. Like you're 35,000 feet up and you really don't know. You know, but you don't know because you don't know how the plane flies. You don't know why it's in the air. You don't like, you don't, you don't really know anything about aerodynamics. You just know that they do this all the time and you do it all the time. The only time you remember that you're flying, they do everything on the plane. Everything that's done on the plane is to make you feel like you're sitting in your living room. They bring you food. They watch a, you watch a movie. The, the, the reason why turbulence scares people is because it's a reminder that you're someplace unfamiliar. It's a reminder that like you're up in the sky, someplace that you maybe weren't meant to go. And the only thing that's keeping you afloat is somebody else's <laughs> operation of technology. 
So, so you, you know what I mean? Like those are the reminders. Like nobody can get you ready for that. You have to go through the turbulence and then understand, hey, either the plane lands or it doesn't. So for as far as life is concerned, everybody can give you a bunch of tips and stuff like that. And all of those matter. And a lot of those, and most of them are really, really good. But more than anything, you have to be open to the understanding of the experience of it all. I was going to ask you, you know, how did you start trusting your voice? Because it's something I admire so much, but mm-hmm. already answered it by saying what you said in terms of just living. And it's really, and, and it's a very, I'm a, yeah, I'm a little stunned just because most well, people, well, go ahead. The, the first thing you have to do is trust that your voice doesn't really matter. <laughs> I'm serious. I you know. know. <laughs> like the, the first thing you have to do is trust that your voice doesn't the, the biggest compliment that anyone can give you is, is to say that something that you said meant something to them. Like we, you can tell the moment that someone, and there are a lot of people, I'm not going to name any names, but you can tell, you can tell the very moment that someone starts to think that what they says uh, matters. You can tell, you can tell in a person that thinks that what they're saying is important to somebody else. You can, you can see that on somebody. I'll look at someone and I'll say, oh, okay, he talking this shit and he thinks that that's, you know, you know what I mean? Or she's saying this, you can tell they feel that there's an important, they, they feel that way, right? Um, and when you say it, it doesn't matter. When you say it, it's how you feel. Now, what matters is when someone else hugs it and puts their arms around it. That's what it matters. So my voice doesn't doesn't matter. Your ears do. So so like for me, it, you know, I might say something that it might touch someone. I might say something that somebody might be mad. Either way, I still got to be vain. Like after that, I I still got to be vain. What matters is not what I said or what I did. What matters is the connection that was made, and that's as the the other party is as important in that as I am. More so, they're more important. The person that you're trying to touch or the person that you may have touched inadvertently is more, the biggest moment of my career had nothing to do with anybody else other than me. Nothing. When Ye walked in there and started saying all of that shit, I wasn't thinking, yo, I got to stand up for my ancestors. Mm -hmm. I was thinking, he pissed me off. Mm -hmm. And this is the way I feel about it. And my personal emotion and how I felt about that ended up connecting me to millions of people. Like you, you know what I mean? You can't. So now the next time that something like that happens, am I, do I, am I to think, Hey, everybody's listening to me. Now I have to say the right thing. No, you got to keep being you because you don't matter as much as they do. So uh, for me personally, you know, the reason why I guess, how do I, grapple or wrestle with my voices, I don't. I say whatever, <laughs> you, you know what I mean? I, I like, it, it like it, you know, if it, if, it, uh, if, it, if it matters to me, then we talk about it. If it doesn't, then it, it, it doesn't. I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't ever look at anything. People send me shit all the time. By the way, that's, people send me shit. They send me vile videos of racism and police brutality. And they, they send me this stuff all the time. They go, man, man, we need your voice on this. And I'm like, and what I really want to send uh, 
send back to them a lot of times is that, yo, it's Sunday. It's seven in the morning and you want me to watch a video of somebody getting their ass kicked by the cops. What about me? And I'm not saying that I'm not, like, I'm not, I'm not saying that I'm not going to Talk about address it. Yeah. because I, I am every single time. Right. Every single time. But there's nothing that I can say that undoes what, what you just watched. Mm-hmm. We got to do that work together. Now, if you, now, I'm the person that if you need your voice amplified or you need to get to more people, no problem with that. We need as many voices as we can. But uh, but there are much less answers here as they are observations and emotions. Hmm. So before we wrap, I just, as somebody who does have to, not have to, but chooses to stay in front of information, chooses when to give it out, but also is, I believe, responsible with their voice. For somebody, I'm, I'm scared, right? Like I'm just politically confused. And I know that I didn't have the right to just act this year. Like I didn't know what was going on. So I was like, mm-hmm. have to read. You have to pay attention. You can't give it up this year. I've, you know, we've had a couple years where we could do that. And so for those who are either trying to figure out, I can't act. I got to learn. I have to read. I have to watch. That's why I asked about liberation. There's so much depth to that. Mm-hmm. What do you think about, you know, I, I was going to ask you, you know, where do you see us in a year? But I'm not sure if that's an unfair question, but I'd love to know just your thoughts on where do you see us in here? Uh, back, to the, back to the same old thing. A year from now, I'm, it's just the way things go. Oh, like, like, yeah, yeah. A year from now, like, this is not like, you guys, this has happened before. The Spanish flu came through in 1918 and killed 50 million people. If 50 million people um, have been killed by this pandemic, it would be the level of <laughs> the, the, the level of panic that will happen if this disease was 2% more fatal. The biggest blessing in any of this is that, it's, is that it could have been so much worse. If this disease had a 10% kill rate, if it had a 5% kill rate, if it had a 6% kill rate, and sometimes it did, and sometimes it like those numbers, you know, the, the numbers that, that that were volleyed around earlier, when we didn't have the treatments, the therapeutics, and stuff like that. We do now, and, and if the hospitals get messy, it definitely could get to that. But uh, it, it would be a disaster with the way um, institutions now are able to ramp up panic uh, and instill fear in people. It would be a disaster, right? So, uh, in many ways, we were spared the very worst. But you know. I'll give you an example. Walt Disney got Spanish flu. So Walt Disney survived Spanish flu. He got, he got sick during the, uh, the, 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 the Spanish flu um, pandemic. Think about that. You're one cough away from no Mickey Mouse. Right? You're one fever away from no Donald Duck, from no Disney World, from the Marvel, all of that. Well, the one, like, so that guy had to survive that and then go on and do that. Now, you know, not the hugest fan of Walt Disney. There's a lot of shit in his past, you know, Nazi shit and all of that stuff like that. But what I'm saying is that, uh, what I'm saying is that we've been through this before, worse. And I'm, and I'm mixing in 
politically, I'm mixing in racially, I'm mixing. All going to go back to status quo. There are certain things that there are certain things that won't. Like America has been fundamentally changed by Trumpism, and they're always going to. There's always going to be a particularly dangerous um, cabal of far right people who people are going to listen to now, and that's just going to be the new normal. But even that, in and of itself, isn't something novel. There's always been a group push, pushing or pulling America to try to rip it apart in the middle. Because now you see them more and you hear every single thought because of Twitter and social media and all of that stuff like that. It used to be that those people have to go into little halls somewhere. The Klan had to have Klan meetings and they had to do terrible things for people to pay attention to them or they had to make great big rallies and stuff like that. Now people can get together in groups and you, ha you, you have to see it because everything that's big on Twitter becomes bigger than this. So it's just different. But even all of that stuff will go back it'll go back to some semblance of the normal that we had before. The question is not whether or not society will snap back, because it will. Mm -hmm. The question is whether or not you will. Mm -hmm. The question is whether or not you're gonna go back to doing things exactly the same way. Whether you'll learn anything. The Stacy, the Van, the Ian, the Charlemagne. I'm just naming off my friends and shit like that. Like the, the Kalika, the Marie, the Afi, the, all of those people, or will, will, will they go back? Will you go back? Because everything else, Baskin Robbins coming back, the movie theaters coming back, all of that shit, the NBA coming back, NFL coming back, they, all of that stuff's coming back. It's going to, like, to summer 2022, you, it's going to be like none of this ever happened. But will you be like none of this ever happened? Will you be that way? I won't. And the reason why I won't is because I've had to confront myself in a way that would have only been made possible throughout this entire moment. I don't know if I'll be better or worse, but I definitely will be different. I, I have this picture in my head that we all understand we won't be able to personally snap back. So if we personally don't snap back, how will the movies and the games all survive without us in our old version? Because I don't think everybody feels like that. I think that I think that people are there. There are a bunch of people that are dying to snap back, and they'll force themselves to, even if they don't feel the same. And also, there are a bunch of people who are also just like me, like I admitted myself, who wear some of these different facilities in society. Like for example, I didn't know what to do on Saturday because Saturday was my day to go to the movies. Saturday Saturday was the the routine of Saturday was wake up, go run five miles in Echo Park come back home, chill, watch LSU, if LSU was in season, right? If they're not in season, then no. Then around one or two, me and her get up and we go to the movies. You know what I'm saying? And then we go like, like we go to the movies, come back, do your thing, you're, 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 you're chilling, right? All of that's dead. I'm not going to run an Echo Park because the park has fundamentally changed and there's too many people out there, Okay. I'm not, I'm definitely not going to the movies. And because I'm a cinephile, I've seen everything. All of this shit that you guys just watched, I've been watching that shit. That's what I do. So, so, so now what do you do? Now you got to sit with yourself on a Saturday. Right. And this, this Saturday, but every Saturday for, for, for a whole year. Mm -hmm. So when that stuff comes back, I'm, I, my routine will probably come back. It probably certainly will. But I also think that I will remember what it was like not to have it. And 
that's the part of it because I want to remember. Mm. I want to be different. Yeah. I want to uh, explore more and cherish the movement and cherish the, the earth and the relationships with people. Like I've been, been a lot of it's not enough. Like it now, you know, I was driving around and like, you know, anyway, no, I don't want to tell me. No, well, it's like, like you, you drive around and you're driving around and you're doing it to serve yourself. Like, why don't you drive around and deliver meals to somebody? There's a bunch of people who need you mm-hmm. and they're not going to stop needing you. Like you, you're driving around and going all these places. You could right now be serving and showing gratitude. And if you can learn gratitude right now, I think that if you can learn gratitude right now, if you can learn emotional bravery right now, I think it's something that uh, behooves you very well, especially at the point in my life that I'm at. But when I tell you guys, soon enough, the Super Bowl will be packed. Mm-hmm. And soon enough, Coachella will be back. They might have Coachella next year. Like soon, like soon enough, these things are coming back. They are. The reason why they are is because you think that freedom is the basis of your, you think freedom, democracy, togetherness, and solidarity is the basis of your, if your society, it's not. Coachella is the basis of your society. The Super Bowl is the basis of your society. Frito-Lay, Walmart, Bank of America, Exxon, those are the basis of your society. And any disease, that threatens those things is going down. <laughs> like any disease, any disease, if this, if, 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 uh, any disease that threatens the Cheesecake Factory, any disease that's like, that threatens all of that, they're going to figure it out. I AIDS, know. Yeah, AIDS didn't threaten that, which is why AIDS still exists. God bless everyone living with HIV and AIDS and like, you know, most of the people now, the therapies are great and stuff like that. But that was something, but like any, like think about, there were, there were virologists, epidemiologists, right? Um, that said to, to get a working vaccine on something takes four years at the beginning of the pandemic. You have two, you have two vaccines if you believe the news, which I think there's no reason not to believe it, that have over 90% efficacy right now. Mm-hmm. They wanted it to work, so it did. They're going to roll them out, refrigerate them. Over the course of the next year, people will be inoculated. Hopefully the vaccines work, and when they work, boom, that's that. Will you get back to, will you get back to business? That's the question. I'm sitting with that. I'm sitting with it, because like, a lot of people are telling themselves they won't, but they have to eat. Somebody sure. works at Burrito Lay, somebody works at Walmart, somebody works at Disney, somebody works at Bank of America. So mm-hmm. they know the culture is going to go back and they might be at home doing what we're doing and introspective and blah, 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 and then go back outside. And it's like, hey, we back to normal. The heels are back on, put the shedding shoes on, need the suit back on. I know we all were at home for a year and you already saw me in my t-shirt, but mm-hmm. put the suit back on. No, I, I'm not saying that you have to, I can't wait for I can't wait to follow that stuff too. I'm not saying that you have to do different, 
I'm saying that you have to be different. You do, but I think that's a part of it. I'm what, not what, that's the, go ahead. No, no, what, I, what I'm saying is, no, shout out to everybody that is a part of all of those industries. Um, my point about saying that was that those industries make up what really is what makes up America, which is <laughs> commerce, is what, is, is what makes up America. And they're not gonna let a virus kill commerce. It would have to be, a, it'd have to be way, they're not gonna let a virus kill commerce. It's just not, they're gonna figure it out. But what I'm saying is that as far as realigning who you are and figuring out how to find peace in your life, like, or how to find peace in your existence, that's going to be something that is uncontrollable or um, it can't be controlled more to, that, more to the point uh, by any set of circumstances around you. That has to be a lifelong goal. Yeah. And for me, what this time has shown me is not so much about society, but more about myself. Yes. Is that I can't be in a position to where my happiness depends on whether or not I can go to the movies. I can't do that. I can't be in a position to where my happiness depends on whether or not I can go to a restaurant. My peace depends on whether or not I can, I can't do that. So I'm gonna have to make the effort, the daily effort to find my happiness and my peace in myself and in the sun and in the nature and in different things like that. So I'm gonna have to do that. But it, uh, that's, that doesn't separate me from anybody else who's gonna feel a lot better, who's gonna feel a lot better when they can go to the movies. I will too. I actually went to a screening. I went to a screening of a movie at the Warner Brothers lot not too long ago. It was like, um, it was like uh, this, this theater held like 800 people and they let like five people in there just so we could screen the movie. And so we could all be safe and stuff like that. Uh, and when I sat in the seat in the credits roll uh, to open the movie, I started crying. Mm. <laughs> I'm, like, when it, when I'm like, cause I sank into the seat and the whole thing, I, I'm like, Phew. so no, I'm no different. I'm just saying I have to try to be different. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm going to make this quick pivot because I have you and it's something sure. that's very piercing during this time, especially I would say during George Floyd. What are your thoughts when you hear, and this is the pivot guys, what are your thoughts when you hear people say black men are the weakest link? And you know, how, how it, and it goes back to your friendships. Are y'all you, having those conversations? Are y'all are y'all checking it? Are you checking yourselves? Are you having like, oh, what's going on? Or is there some, yeah, what are what are those thoughts? It's, it, okay, so um, number one, I think there's two answers to that. The first one is that uh, I can see why some people feel that way, right? Um, I can, because uh, black women have, black women have had to adapt to something that's really, you really can't adapt to it. You can't adapt to, uh, it's interesting, you can't adapt to having so much placed upon you and then being so underappreciated at the same time. I know I couldn't do it. You really can't, there's really no way to adapt to it, right? There's no, really no way to adapt to uh, what black women have had to endure. And I'll save people um, from giving a laundry list of ways that black women have been uh, underappreciated and victimized uh, for the last couple of generations here, not for the last couple of generations, from the beginning, right? Um, so there's no way to adapt to it, but black women have. 
So what starts to happen is uh, anytime somebody can take something, you make sure that they do take it. So anyone, so the, 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 the if you want to be the person at work that has everybody throw the responsibility on you, keep showing them that you're the person that you can get all that responsibility thrown on you. So if you're the person that, 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 you know, that has to really be you because they're going to keep coming back to you and asking you to perform in that manner. So the fact that sisters show up anytime you ask them to show up is wholly unsurprising. Like if you're a black man in America, having a black woman be the person that saved your life is not a novel thing. It's, the beginning, middle, and end of the story. So that part of it uh, is is uh, it, the fact that black men pale in comparison to black women um, in the way they show up, in the way that they 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 act and, and and carry themselves in a lot of these different political and social things. That's not surprising at all. There's a lot of ways that sisters been outperforming us for a very long time, and really carrying more of their the uh more of weight than they should be. I guess the question for me is twofold. Number one, whether or not black men are the weakest link, if you look at something politically. I think black men, black women voted for Trump, uh black women voted for Biden, uh 94% or something like that. Something like that. Black men, it was like 88 or something. I'm not sure what the numbers are, something like that. So if we really are the weakest link, that I think there is a part of that that is overblown in terms of uh, it, 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 in terms of just the, the sheer numbers of it. They're still overwhelmingly um, in favor, like voting for they voted for Biden. Black men are still overwhelmingly married to black women, um, but I, I don't think that they are matching the energy of sisters uh, when it comes to these things. Uh, they don't. They just don't. They're not. We're, on the whole, we're not going as hard. I don't think anyone would, would come away from a non-emotional look at that and say that we just don't go as hard as sisters. No one goes as hard as sisters. The problem with it is that uh, the messaging of all of this stuff is, is very tricky. Um, because we put ourselves in a position where we've told ourselves that the imperfections of black men have to be tolerated in order for us to have a community while the imperfections of black women have to be excoriated, right? So we've put ourselves to say, hey, don't tear him down. We need him. If she shows her navel, kill her and that's difficult to sort of and that's not just that's not that's just the real and that's difficult to intellectually legislate like there's like or navigate should i say there's emotion there there's a there's like you have to you have to be able to like you have to be able to talk to your brothers about that you have to be able to and they have to be willing to give yeah. because if you <laughs> and, and if and the and when we say even terms back in the day like we'll be like I never forget a story it was a, a girl named Lauren Bell 
were all on a um on a she's a she was a US attorney now, now she's an attorney out there in um in Ohio. We're all on the same email thread. And I said something on the email thread about this is how they do the black man. She said, What about the black woman? This is maybe like 2007, 2008. Uh, she was on the email thread. She goes, What about the black woman? And I go, Well, when I say the black man, like the black man, when I say the plight of the black man, obviously that means the black woman as well. And she goes, No, it doesn't. I have never been more pissed off in my life. I was like, what you talking about? Like, of course I mean y'all. She's like, no, 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 no. You have to say the black woman and man because we have things that go on with that go on with us that are specific to our experience. And if it all gets thrown in together, we get erased. I was so fucking mad. How I'm trying to erase you. How I'm trying to erase my mama and my sister, man. You bugging. Like, this is the problem, blah, 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 the whole nine. I've been there. But the reality of it is that the most difficult place to, like, really get a full-body view of yourself is when you're driving the seat of oppression, right? You can't see what you do. Especially if somebody else, if somebody else got their foot on your neck, it's harder for you to feel where your foot is. But you have to try, right? And so I, I do think that there needs, that we, we need to change the way we speak to each other intercommunally, period, you know? And there has to be, there has to be some cultural love and some cultural patience there. But at the same time, Motherfuckers are sick of shit. Right. Our LGBT, com LGBT community is sick of waiting for niggas to wake up. Mm -hmm. The sisters is sick as, sick, sick, sick as waiting for niggas to wake up. They sick of it. So I'm not going to say put on the kid gloves. It hurts. I mean, it, it, it hurts. It hurts to hear you niggas ain't shit all the time. It hurts to hear from them and then, then to hear from inside. But the thing that should hurt more is actually not being shit. <laughs> so, um, and with brothers also, there's a lot of other things that we've fallen into. Once again, this worship of capitalism, flexing on each other, um, all of this stuff, there are parts of us that have been uh, so easily indoctrinated into what uh, this country is and some of the vile kind of um, uh, I guess aspects of America, we've really eaten it up and we're turning it on each other. So you tell a rich nigga that uh, it's a guy that's going to cut their taxes, they might go vote for. Him. Meanwhile, Alicia Garza has people on her doorstep threatening her and that guy that you're voting for sent him there. If one person hurt one black lady and she is telling you that, 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 that she is hurt and you know it to be true, um, you should think twice about whether or not you support that person. Not even, you shouldn't think twice. You shouldn't support that. You, you, it, let me say that again. Listen to black women. If they're telling you they're being hurt, they're being hurt. Yes. If not only are they telling you that they're being hurt, 
if they're telling you that someone's hurting you, they're probably hurting you. They're definitely hurting you. So, yeah. uh, I, I, like, I, I don't know. It's, it doesn't seem to be, to me, I, I don't see the big deal, you know? I can watch the Gin and Juice video now, right? Not Gin and Juice. Uh, is it Gin and Juice? Maybe it's Gin and Juice. I can watch the um, the Gin and Juice video now, and I can see what was wrong. Right. <laughs> I can watch. I can look. I can see what was wrong, and I'm like, God damn! I was raised on that, and we, and we do that for so many other ways. Like you niggas, not like it's it's you know you used to eat non-laters and airheads all day you didn't know any better but now that you do eat now that you do know better you eat a banana it's almost as if you don't want to do better just because black women are saying that you should do better but one it's is attached to identity and how we show up and the other is attached to a diet change which is also could be a part of it a, 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 a diet is a, the everything is diet yeah everything is diet a diet is a diet is something something I learned about this. I used to be a much bigger guy, right? So a diet is something that you really don't have very much control over. That's the first thing I had to realize about like dealing with my weight was that I come from South Baton Rouge, Louisiana, right? Someone told me how to eat. They told me how to eat. Mm-hmm. Someone before I had no choice in my diet, zero choice in it, zero choice. The food that I put in my body. They told me how to eat. They told me how much to eat. They told me when to eat. And they did this for a very long time. Then you assess who you are. And you say, is this working for me now? Because I'm not an immortal child anymore where my body can take everything, right? I like Now, is this working for me? Is this working for us? That same diet that was given to you, is the same patriarchy that was given to you. It's the same um, chauvinism. It's the same uh, capitalism. That whole diet, I'm not denying that it was given to us. I'm not denying that it was given to us. It was by people we trusted. Mm -hmm. The question is, is it working now? And the answer is very clearly no. So if you can change the food that you eat to get healthier, you mean to tell me you can't change the way you treat people in, that you share your community with? You can't change your views on that community? You can't change your views on solidarity? You can't change your views on intercommunity violence? You can't change your views on sex? So you can change everything else except for all the other bad shit that you are getting. It's not true. You have to want to, and there has to be, and there also has to be something within that set of societal rules that makes you want to, right? I have to be like, it, it was a time to where, you know, I, I have to be like, yo, nigga, that's whack. You can't come play mad. Shout out to Jamila Lemieux for calling me on that. Like you, like you, when I had her on my podcast a couple of years ago, and she was like, well, how do you police your homeboys? I'm like, yo, I don't get niggas business about shit that they do. Like you having these issues with your girl or whatever, whatever, when you come over here to play the madness, it's a safe space. I was wrong. Right. Very. <laughs> I was wrong. I, I was straight up wrong. I have been wrong on this. I was being the best guy I thought that I could be. 
I would never hurt anyone. I would never do anything like that. But it's not enough. It's not enough. Like, R. Kelly deserves to be in jail as much for our crimes as he is for his. He's a symbol of our dysfunction, of who we were. Not just who he was, but who we were. We all got to wear that. And as soon as I said this, a bunch of people out there saying, I ain't never do anything to anybody. You didn't. But then again, you did. Because the reality is this. We're talking to police officers right now, and we're saying, if you're not out in the dirty cops in your police station, then you are one of them. How could that same logic not apply to people who hurt, oppress, marginalize Black women? It have to be the same. Or our LGBT brothers and sisters, it have to be the same. It's not enough. But it's a conversation that we're going to have to have, and it can't happen with any, it can't happen with any cameras, it can't happen with any lights, and it has to happen all the time. And we have to talk about it ourselves because there is going to have, there is going to be some cultural patience, trust, and love that we're going to have. We're not owed it from Black women. We're not owed it from the LGBT community. We're not owed it. But um, for me, I'm, I just want the latitude to be able to talk to these brothers and talk and, and really deliver the messages without just saying, hey, fuck you nigga, get out of here. We can, we, I can say fuck you nigga while we're having it, fuck you, you're wrong. But I at least need to be able to do the work with them and not just cut everybody off because that's not gonna grow the force. So for me, I see, I, I see why, and I get, I get, I like, I get people that say all the time, why are you friends with this person? Why do you know this person? Why do you know that person? Well, and I'm saying I'm there with them because that's where I got to be. And I'm also there with them also. I'm also with other people so I know where I still need to grow. And it's a million places. It's, it's like, it's not, I'm not there. Nobody is there. So I, but I, I can't detach. I got to be present and I got to be there and I got to keep, pushing people to, to, you know, this shit is whack and, and got to kind of make it happen. But I basically to answer the question, I understand why sisters feel that way, but it doesn't make me look at my brothers any differently. Mm -hmm. um, I see opportunity and I see a generation of young black men um, coming behind me that are uh, more in tune, more ready, um, and more equipped to change their communities than ever before. Yes. And if you pay attention to that, you can get mad about what somebody 50, 55, 45, you can get mad about what they do, or you can get mad about what they say, or you can focus on the fact that societal attitudes are shifting and changing. Yes. And I think that they are. And it's up to us to make sure that we maintain that momentum. That is my highest hope for us. And even in asking that, it was, I believe that we're walking into a generation, a healing generation that's willing to attach our worthiness to constructs that weren't even built for us to succeed. Mm -hmm. I just think what, the worthiness, like for, for you to have to tell a friend that's whack and they're like still arguing with you. I'm like, what are you arguing about, bro? 
Like truly, mm-hmm. even when I'm telling, cause, cause the same colonization you went through, women went through as well. So there are a lot of women with very, unfortunately, dysfunctional theories of how they show up for men or as women or how men should show up and what this, I mean, it's, I just paid attention and read a lot differently this year. And I was like, hey, y'all, we're sick. Like we can worry about everybody else and other races and this and this, but we have so much in us that we have to and deserve to throw away and get better at. And so, yeah, I mean, growth hurts. It hurts physically. Well, I, you know, I'm six four. When I was growing, my knees used to hurt. Right? Yeah. I'd be like, "What's wrong with my knees?" Dad, take me to the doctor. My dad would be like, "Yo, your knees hurt because you're twelve. You're growing." It's not all that. I know it's like, you know, and it, growth hurts. And it's a, it's a, it's supposed to hurt because you're not supposed to want to regress, right? So it's supposed to hurt. So look, uh, my, my, my homeboys out there, you're on there. You're hearing someone saying black man ain't shit. Mm-hmm. Write the tweet back, but don't send it. I do that all the time. You hear someone saying, these niggas ain't this, these niggas are, write it out. Write the problem, don't send it though. Because the reality, the, the reality is, <laughs> it's like, if you're, if you're, if your kid is hungry, I'm not making black women into children, I'm just using an example. If your kid is hungry and they come in and, and they, they tell you that, anybody that you love is hungry, they come in and say, yo, I'm hungry, I'm, I don't have anything to eat. Are you going to argue with them about like what you're, what you're trying to do to feed them? Yeah. Or are you going to, are you going to, the first thing you're going to do, are you going to try to make sure that they feel nourished by you? The best thing that black men can do for black women is nourish them. Be a part of the nourishment, be a part of the nourishment of your community, be a part of the nourishment of the women. And remember, these are not subordinates. These are partners. These are people you don't lord over in your community. You share your community. I hate that we lost that. I don't understand where that got lost. Eh, I, don't think I, I, I don't think it necessarily got lost as much as it never really was established. But we're working on it. Like, like, uh, like, like we're, we're, we're working on it. We're working on it. And a lot of times, also, in more traditional homes, people fall into those rhythms like... Uh, sort of almost intrinsically like um my father was the big man in the house and you gotta ask your daddy you gotta ask your daddy but if you pay attention for five minutes my mother ran the household like she ran everything yeah. including him right. like my mother like she ran everything including him mm-hmm. but that bailed him out he had to be less present than he probably should have been because there are a lot of things that my mom had to go through she didn't have anybody to talk to him about. Certainly not her husband. So, uh, you know, we have to decompartmentalize our existence with Black women. We have to look at it in a more holistic way and share in the importance of decision-making inside of it. And that means sometimes, nigga, it can't be you. It can. It just can't be you. It's got to be her. So that's, that's why I love it. Less for you. It doesn't mean less for you. It doesn't mean less for you at all. Exactly. Like and 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 to be honest with you, even if it did, even if it did mean less for you, contemplate what it is that you actually want more of. So between you and your sisters, right? You and your like, what do you want more of? What do you want her to have? What do you want to have of more than her? 
Like, what, like, and why? If you want to have more money, why? Probably so that you can control her, so that she is then dependent on you, and that that makes you feel like more of a man, right? Mm. Right? Like, what? If whatever you want more, if you want to have, uh, if you want to have all the decision making, or if you want, if you want control of her body, why? Why? Because at the end of the day, it has nothing to do with her. It has to do with how you want her to make you feel. And the reality of that whole situation is it just can't be that way. Exactly. It yeah. just, it can't be that way. Or maybe it can for some of you niggas. But it's not, it's not, it's not, it's not like, I don't know. I don't know, man. I'm, I'm really coming off, it's just common sense. It, it, it whatever, bro. Like, it, I don't know. Some of them, and, and by the way, like I said before, by and large, there are way more good brothers out here than there are bad ones. All of those things, by and large. There's a lot all- of women who believe that. There's a lot right. of women who know and believe that. So we're not just saying it to just be out here saying it and ripping our men. That's not what, and I can't speak for all women, but that's right. you know, your right. point. And even some of the bad ones are really good ones, but it's not up to y'all to do that work. We'll do it. Just let us do it. So that that's the only thing that I would say. If I'm gonna have an argument with a black with, with a with a sister about something, which I try not to do, I would say just just if, if, just let me like you saying that nigga ain't shit. Cool. Let me deal with him. Van, you you hang with him unless he's hurt someone. If he's hurt someone, then you know that's different. But let me let me deal with him. Let me deal with him. Let me talk to him. He said something stupid. He did something crazy. Um, he's out there putting these ideas out there. Let the rest of us as brothers come together and coach each other up. Give us the latitude to coach each other up. You know, now I can't be not shit now just because I'm talking to him. I'm trying to, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm telling you the shit that you're telling me. I'm trying, I'm telling him. <laughs> Somebody got to talk to him. And that's the only thing that I would say. We should give you guys a latitude. Are you guys giving it to yourselves? I mean, you are consciously saying that you are, but are a lot of, this is why I love this conversation, slash this question, because I, I always want to know, I'm like, what are the black men talking about? What are y'all talking about with each other? Are you getting to this point where it's like, hey, we got to, <laughs> we got to do it with each other? Well, I mean, look, this, these conversations, first of all, first of all, either have to be broached purposely or they have to have, there has to be a reason that this, this happens. I had a conversation with a friend of mine not too long ago. And there's a dear friend of mine, dear friend. And we were talking about um, my homie, Luke James. Fantastic singer, right? And my friend was telling me that he didn't like Luke James anymore. Um, he, liked, like, like, he likes Luke James less now because Luke James uh, dated a transgender on the shy. His character dated a, a transgender on the shot. And he's like, after he played that role, like, I look at him different. And I was like, interesting. It's like, so you look at him different now because he played someone that dated a transgender. And he's like, yeah, man. I was like, that's something I used to ride around thinking that, like, uh, that, you know, like his music, he reflected kind of me. And now that he did that, I can't see me in him anymore. He was like, it's almost the same thing with Frank Ocean. He was like with Frank Ocean, <clears throat> you know, once I found out that Frank Ocean 
was was gay, um, then I can't listen to Frank Ocean's songs anymore because now I know that Frank Ocean is singing about a guy and it's about a gay relationship and it changes everything. And I found this conversation to be insanely intriguing because right after that, my friend goes, but look, I don't care what these guys do. And I said, but wait, you care and you care very deeply. Mm-hmm. Like you care very sincerely about what it is that they do. Like you really do care. No, and we had a, literally an hour and a half conversation about whether or not he cared. I'm like, what you just said is you stopped doing something that you liked because of a situation. Then you said you didn't care about it. I was like, I'll give you an example. I stopped eating that Chick-fil-A, right? Stopped eating that Chick-fil-A. I don't think anything goes better with Saturday than Chick-fil-A. I just can't do it. But I, the, and the reason why is because I cared about what Chick-fil-A was doing with their politics, right? And because I cared about it, I stopped fucking with Chick-fil-A. That's what happened, all right? Um, so I can't say that Chick-fil-A can do whatever they want to do with their politics or whatever, but like, no, I definitely cared. It was, it was enough to make me change my behavior. See, the thing is that that sort of passive hatred or that passive attitude or that sort of thing, it's, it's like the reality is that's a good man, my friend. He's, he's a good man. But he hasn't had to look at whether or not decisions like that are actually fucking disgusting. Because in the sort of vacuum-sealed existence and community that we grew up in, no one's going to challenge that. No one's going to say that that's why. No one's going to do that. My function in that conversation is not to make him feel like shit, but to let him know that that's shit. It's not to hold his hand through it either. I was like, I told him straight up. I was like, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be real with you. Like, what you're talking about is a bunch of bullshit, and you're hateful. Like, you're, you're a hateful person. You are a Westboro Baptist Church hateful person, and you're choosing that. You're choosing that. I said, first of all, it doesn't even make any sense because you love Brandy, and Brandy been singing about niggas ever since she got here. So you can listen to it. What you, you don't care about the fact that someone is singing about a guy. You care about homosexuality and you care very deeply about it. It disgusts you. You don't want it. Like confront those feelings, Mm -hmm. deal with them and understand that those are the feelings that get people fucked up. Those are the feelings that, that, that lead to the, the, the runaway rate in in black transgender youth being astronomically high, the suicide rate amongst black uh, gay men and women being astronomically high, higher than their white counterparts. You know, like those are the things that lead to that. Those thoughts, yes. Well, those thoughts then become actions, right? You're doing it. And then ask yourself if that's who you want to be. Now, if you tell me that's who you want to be, now the ball is in my court. Fuck it, that's how I feel. Cool. Now I have to decide who I want to be. But the first thing that you have to do is let someone know that that's not anything that's passive. That's active hate. Active hate. And it's a choice. 
it's a it's a very deliberate choice. You choose to look at Luke a different way. You choose not to play Frank's music anymore. It's a choice. All right. So those guys are the same guys they were before. Brilliant, both of them. Brilliant, both from Louisiana, by the way. Brilliant. We, re we really get busy in Louisiana. Y'all don't give us our credit. He's like, like, um, but like, brilliant, brilliant, right? So my only thing with that is like, the function is to be like, yo, fam, let's delve into this. Let's look at where this comes from. Has he had this question before? You feel? We've had we've we, we've had talks about it, but I don't. I think this one was different, and I think the reason why it was different was because it was jovial. Like I wasn't like I was saying. I, like it, it was jovial in tone, meaning that I wasn't, I didn't bring a, I didn't bring a, a like a pitchfork. I was just unrelenting in the fact that you are homophobic, you are a homophobe, you are what's wrong with society. You cannot talk me out of it. Me, this person that loves you, that you love, that you think highly of, been knowing each other for all the time. This is what I think about you. And by the way, I'm not relenting. I'm not going backwards on it. I'm not going to make you feel okay about the opinion. I mean, you can tell me how you feel about me. There's million people listening to this. Vans, all kinds of things. Vans are know-it-all. Vans are pervert, porn addicts, all of that. All of it. We can discuss all of it. We can, have, we can talk about all of it. But, and you can remind me of everything that I am. This, though, right here is what you are. And what you are hurts people. Do you want to be there? Mm -hmm. Do you want to be that? Because I don't think you do, dog. I really don't think you do. And as it, is, as it relates to our sisters, I know you don't. I know you don't want to hurt black women. I know you don't want to hurt black women. I know you don't. Right. And, and, and in order to not to, this is what we got to do. Are you down for it or not? Not only not hurt. This is the toughest thing about this situation. Do you know how you keep somebody safe? You know how you make somebody safe? The way you make somebody safe is you give them the ability to hurt you. And I'll tell you what that means. I, I, I I'll tell you what this means. If I'm on a basketball court with somebody, right, and we get ready to fight, or they're, they're smaller than me or whatever. Um, as long as I have power over them, me not hurting them or not invoking my power over them is charity. All right, it's charity. It's me being a good guy for the reason that I'm not fucking over them. If we're in a competitive state or something like that, it's charity, right? But if they have the if if they have the ability to hurt me, it's not charity because now they are empowered. So now the the, the their power is making them safe. You might ask yourself, how do you empower women? That's where stuff like the Me Too movement comes in, where, 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 where women by themselves can make decisions about who the harmful men are and then take something from them. I know that that feels bad for a lot of guys. Like, he lost his career. No, it's necessary right. because it doesn't matter what it is. No one who isn't powerful in this world is safe. No one who isn't powerful is safe. 
Nobody, don't matter who. The reason why black lives matter less than white lives is because of power. Yeah. Because if you, if you start capping off white boys the way you capping off black boys like this, it's gonna be different. Like if, if, it, if it's a bunch of white boys getting murdered in the town, opioid crisis, right? Oh my God, it's a crisis of, of using drugs. Why isn't it a criminal crisis like crack was? You know why? Because those lives matter because of the power that their white skin re represents, right? Very simple. This is not, I'm not breaking any news. Everybody knows this. So what I'm saying is, if you want your sister safe, you want them powerful. You want them with the ability to affect what it is that you're doing. You want them in positions and able to, to, to actually go after. You want there to be ramifications for hurting them. Yes. That's the only way to make them safe. That's the part of it that's hard. The part of it that's hard is for people to actually be like, yo, um, uh, I'm willing to see consequences for my actions. Because everything else is just charity. Everything else is... Tim Buck two nigga hotel, you the queen of the universe, all of that shit like that. I'm not saying that that's not true, mm -hmm. because it is. But what I'm saying is that stuff right there is not a workable solution. What has to happen is that, like, we have to, you have to worship black ladies enough to want shit to happen when somebody runs afoul of them. It's a, and, and not to protect that. So. And you know, it's, it's tough because some of these might be your niggas. Some of these are going to be your niggas. They will be them. You know what I'm saying? So it, it, it's, it's, it, it, it's a difficult situation to be in sometimes, but this is where we are. Yeah. And uh, we got to dig ourselves out of it. It's just a painful reprogramming I hear. Like in every, like from your friend not realizing that table. Because I do this thing where I, I hear the story you said and I went to like a, Okay, so what programming got him there? And, and I love that you went like, nah, that's whack. And I love it, because it's true, it is whack. But I also added the, why does he feel like that one thing didn't mean that other thing? And I could think of five other reasons, you know, why he thought. I'll tell you, I'll, I'll tell you what, what kind of programming got him that way. You're looking at him. Me. Uh, not, not just me, but my father, my other homeboys, everyone. I was a part of all of that. Like all, it, it was us. It's not him. It's us. Yeah. So it's my dad. It's his dad. Is the whole crew? Mm -hmm. Is everybody? We're all together in that. Mm -hmm. It's it, it, there's no there's no the, the culpability is here. Known him since I was since we were thirteen. It's all of us together. Mm. And it, so it's 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 me as as we all use the words. We all told the stories. We all did the ashes. Now, the difference between me and some other people is that, you know, my sister is, is, is gay in, in that situation. So there was a lot of things that I was exposed to that a lot of people weren't. And it just wasn't that big of a deal to me. However, I pretended like it was. I did. And so what I'm saying is, and it's the same thing with all of that. If we was, it's just, it's, if we were all getting high together, like on on that dope right eventually somebody would break free and be like hey by the way i work in a bank and my life is good i don't fall asleep at three in the afternoon and it's pretty good over here you guys might want to try and you have to care enough about those people to be aggressive about trying to save them 
and let them know that like not only is it you, but you're hurting your family, you're hurting your body, you're hurting all of this. Blah, 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 blah. But it is it's not it's not his fault. It's our fault. It's not a him. It's an us. We have to change all of this stuff. And the only thing I want is a chance to change it. That's it. The chance to do better and the chance to help my brothers and the people in my community do better and the chance to do better myself. Nobody has to wait for us to go. I'm not saying wait to be critical. I'm not saying wait to be anything. I'm not saying wait. But I'm just saying give us the latitude to grow. Right. That's the, that, that, and even that grace, to be honest with you. Might not um, always. To be honest with you, that grace isn't, I mean, that grace isn't required. It's not, it's not, you don't get to demand that. So, but. Man, wow. I mean, people, I hope you're blessed. I feel like, again, human to human is a space of really, I just think, can we really talk about some stuff? Can we just, can we just say what really is going on? And for me, the, this, these words of programming and blah, 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 I think, I don't know. I didn't know if they were, I know they're massive, but I just feel like we had to see them on this, on every single level, whether it's through this phone, through whatever, like we just really needed to see it on every level so we can get the hell out of here, please. Like it's time. Nah, no, real. I mean, yeah, no, nah, I get it. Um, and when you say human to human, a very powerful, very powerful title, <clears throat> love a space where you can come in and just be human for a second and kind of just do your thing and just talk. This was actually therapeutic for me. I'm feeling better now than I was when I got on here. Thanks for listening to the Human Human podcast and this episode featuring a conversation with Van. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate, leave a review. And while you're at it, share this episode with someone you love, someone you like, or someone you feel like arguing with. Because as you can see, there were some hot topics. Anyway, as long as you share, I'm good over here. Your feedback is appreciated and your thoughts are valued. Stay connected between episodes at stacyag.com slash human to human while I'll be answering this week's reflection question. You can also connect with me on Twitter and Instagram at One Take Stace. I'm your host, Stacey Ike, and remember, we are not what we do. We are who we choose to be. So no other choice but to keep being curious, be in community, be love, be support, and be real together. When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, This is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludicrous. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holler at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois.